one word is hyper-personalization, which has been my dream for many years right now. And before AI really became something that is in the news. Again, when I started building uh, Moniz, my dream was to make sure that uh, a bank or a banking service is able to see each customer as a human being, not an account, but a human being who has history, who is living in a certain country, who has a certain set of documents. And that system, the bank, should be able to take uh, the information that it has from the customer and understand it properly without putting people in a basically a box where the computer says no, because that person's data doesn't tick certain boxes. In a hyper-personalized way, the bank of the future without manual human involvement, uh, which is obviously time consuming and uh, it's not really reducing efficiencies, but, or increasing efficiencies, but it's increasing cost instead. So I think the dream was that AI will come to help, will able to understand customers' personal circumstances and not just onboarding, but also when it comes to credit. So credit is the mm. next big frontier in my view. And right now I'm seeing that innovation is happening in this space, but it's a very slow process. And my big dream basically is that hyper-personalization and AI is able to finally make this a much better experience for people and uh, like significantly beyond uh, just offering customers better prices. So I'm talking about some things that really move the needle. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Fintech Podcast. I am your host, Moni Millares, and thank you so much to every single one of you that comes back every week to listen, learn, and get inspired. In today's episode, Norris Koppel, founder and CEO at Moniz, shares his vision of hyper-personalization and customer-centric financial services enabled by AI and becoming the bank of the future. We discuss the impact of AI in the financial services industry, understanding the current state of AI in fintech, concerns regarding its implications, and practical use cases for AI to improve processes, prevent fraud, and offer highly personalized services to customers. Norris talks to us about Moniz's spin-off, XYB by Moniz, an end-to-end cordless banking platform and his partnership with Google for generative AI. As usual, if you enjoy the episode, it would mean the world if you subscribe and give it a follow so that we can have more input. Hello, Norris. It is my honor to have you today in the show with us. Welcome. Hey, Monica. Glad to be here. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Yes, because like we're going to have a very relevant and important conversation today that it's AI and financial services, basically, and all the difficult decisions that we need to, decisions and questions that we need to think about as we incorporate AI in the industry as such. And I think of many of the players that we have in fintech, Moniz, you're one of the ones that have been leading so far when it comes to incorporating AI, not as an experiment, but as a leading proposition. So very looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. Let's do this. Perfect. Okay. Before we go into AI, this podcast is about how can we create 
better fintechs that have more impact, more purpose-driven fintechs. What's your take on how we build more purpose-driven fintechs? When we look at the beginning of neobanks, for example, so money is obviously itself as a neobank very much has been a purpose-driven company. When we rewind and look at the phase of neobanks that we are currently observing and their successes, it was very clear that these fintechs, these neobanks, came around because they wanted to, they saw an opportunity where incumbent banks are not maybe doing the best possible job when it comes to customers and, and the price point and so on. And that opportunity was clearly there. So I think all these fintechs and neobanks came around because they wanted to solve their problem. Because I think inherently they are all purpose-driven companies. And in many ways, I would also like to say that when I look at the uh, evolution of this industry over the past, let's say, five to 10 years, uh, mm -hmm. I think it, it has moved the needle massively. I would like to think that way. So what I can now see is that, again, talking about the, the past at the moment, is that when, let's say, 10 years ago, in order to interact with your bank, you needed to go to a bank branch or you needed to call them up. And there was, yes, there were websites. You can log into your online bank using the website, but mobile app-based banking didn't really exist. The world was heavily to moving towards uh, app-based uh, everything, but uh, banking had not caught mm -hmm. up. So I think this tick box has now been done. People probably, I would say, can't even imagine anymore banking without having an app that shows balances and enables you to make payments and all this stuff. So that has happened. And I think the customer centricity and also when we look at inclusiveness angle and being a purpose-driven business, I think this is very much has, has ticked that box. And again, when we look at the future now, I think we're just barely scratching the surface. This is, this is an industry that is moving, uh, it may seem like quite quickly, but 10 years, is it really quick? I think, yeah. uh, we have moved the needle, but this is just the beginning because I would say, again, uh, when I'm coming from the neobanking uh, space and I can see clearly that 10 years in, yes, let's call it revolution because I guess that's what it is, right? The revolution has started, it has moved the needle, it has changed the way incumbents are now treating their customers as well. But it's still so early days and the AI, which we are going to be talking about today, clearly has so much potential here that, and again, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I think this is a really for, I would like to think this is a benefit. This is for the benefit of customers, but it's a bit of a mixed bag. And I have my own views on this, why, it's, why, why, why it is uh, a mixed bag, but I think ultimately that uh, it is benefiting customers, I think for the speed. From the speed and cost perspective, definitely. But there are negatives as well, for sure. Definitely there are. So before we go into the positives and negatives of AI, can you tell us about Moniz? You were definitely one of the pioneers in the neo banking industry. Why did you start? What's your purpose? So Moniz, when it started, it started because of really a huge pain point. And again, I had my own personal pain point. As a new entrant to the UK, I came from abroad. 
I couldn't open a simple bank account, which was, to me, it was a huge insult. So I decided to do something about it after I realized that millions, if not tens or hundreds of millions of people are getting also poor treatment from incumbents. So that, that was the driver. And what we, as a sort of a retail banking or neo-banking brand have now achieved, I guess, is apart from. I believe changing the industry alongside other neobanks. What we have achieved as our own brand is that we have really made it much easier for people to access banking services and we have brought the cost down dramatically, I think. So that was the noble goal, basically, is to making banking more easily accessible, to remove barriers that are there because of the some historical the way things worked in the past and so on. So we have removed those as, as much as possible. We have really rethought how everything should work, including customer onboarding and the customer service and all that. So I think, yeah, specifically on Moniz, we have today millions of customers across Europe. So it's a truly pan-Europe pan-European proposition. It is an app-based uh, banking service in your pocket, and it's obviously built on uh, incredibly modern, new uh, foundations and, and technology. And we are going to obviously talk about XYB and our banking platform as well. Yes. Just expanding on that, because like you've been around for a long time, have you seen the customer pain points change over the years? I would say somewhat, yes, but still... Over the past sort of five to 10 years, I, I see that fundamentally we, we still haven't actually done everything that we can. So it, it is a still very much a work in progress. And yes, some pain points have been removed. For example, again, specifically making access easier. So customer onboarding is now relying more on technology. You don't need to go to a bank branch and, and all this. So that has become a lot easier, but it's not quite there yet. So it's still very early days because regulated industry is, is, is hard. It's not easy to change. So I think it's very much a work in progress. Awesome. Yeah, that's a very good point because basically we've given, we've had a big leap when it comes to accessibility. To everyone yes. can now just download it, but yeah, but it's still not perfect <laughs> and it has limitations. So Still exactly. a lot to do. Especially, especially country borders are interesting ones. Again, we live in the UK. I live in the UK right now. And UK is this fintech bubble where people are taking everything for granted. And customers have now been asking even more, even better services, even faster, even cheaper and so on. But it's not necessarily the same in Europe or beyond US, for example, and so on, is still very much lagging, lagging behind. So I would like to think that, yes, we have moved the needle more in some countries than others. So there's so much work still uh, to be done. And especially when it comes to cross-border banking, it's still a huge mess. So it is. it's difficult. Yes. 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 And definitely. Oh, this is like the, the perfect product for me, especially now you say cross-border. The segment of international people is so underserved. <laughs> it is just difficult to do your banking. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but anyways, okay. So moving on to the meaty 
bit of the conversation. So moving on to AI. Definitely AI is here to stay. It is disrupting the world. But the other side is, hey, should we regulate AI? There are fears that without AI, without rules, like AI is going to destroy jobs. It's going, there's going to be misinformation, discrimination. What's your take on all the fears around AI? I have fears too. So when I, and it's quite scary, basically, when you, when I open my social media apps in the morning, for example, it's very difficult. It starts to become uh, quite difficult to uh, understand what is true and what is not. Uh, when you take any of the uh, channels, really, there's, there's Facebook, there is X and, and all these channels, and it's very difficult to understand what is being generated on purpose by, by somebody who is trying to move things in a certain way, basically. So images, for example, what you see images, uh, it's very, it's becoming very difficult to understand now where images are real or not. If people on the pictures are actually real or have, has somebody nudged the images in a certain way. And, and so it's getting, and this is just the beginning. So we are seeing, again, if we go to banking for a second, right, as, as we are onboarding new customers to our uh, consumer brands and, and retail customers are coming through the gates on a daily basis and thousands of them. Technology is trying to understand whether people whose face we are seeing and voice we are seeing and measuring against our database, are these people real or is AI basically has taken somebody else's face and is playing games with us and criminals are always wants to have a step ahead, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say that this is just the beginning and, and this thing is, is incredibly difficult to control, but we are still again, uh, in the very early days. And the way I see it right now is that the amount of misinformation is massively on increase. The amount of fraud that is criminals using AI in order to draw defraud the financial system and rip off other people, basically. It's on the rise at the moment. So discrimination, as you mentioned, also all this. And I see also that if we don't very carefully put rules set in place and very quickly, the chances are that the information that comes to us is uh, lower quality. Uh, we are seeing this already. So the quality has dropped information quality. The, uh, you, you can't even identify what is real anymore. So most people don't understand that what they may be consuming in media may be absolutely fake and, and has been produced by basically AI and robots. And some people are manipulating things in a background somewhere. So my fear is real. I'm already seeing this uh, right now in action. And, uh, if this goes on and, and it goes on, it accelerates very quickly and there, until there is, unless there is some rule set in place. I think uh, this thing is going to go absolutely crazy. Yes, because yeah, I also have those fears. So for example, I'm a lot on media and I'm like, oh my God, like the robot will copy me. <laughs> it's so easy because yes. they have so many data points, but it's so many people that are on Instagram. And this concerns you from a fraud perspective, who's going to impersonate who, which then leads me to when it comes to financial services as such, a very specific use case, of course, it's like fraud. It's going 
to increase. Another yeah. use case that we have when it comes to AI that we see everywhere is improving efficiency. All the back office, all the customer service, like all those processes, they will be disrupted. What's your opinion on which other use cases will we have when it comes to not efficiency, when it comes to processes, but more from a product design perspective and how we deliver better design, better products for customers as such? To, to me, I think one word is uh, hyper-personalization, which, which has been my dream for many years right now. And uh, before AI really became, became something that is in the news. And uh, I really, again, when I started building Moniz, my dream was to make sure that a bank or a banking service is able to see each customer as a human being. Not an account, but a human being who has history, who is living in a certain country, who has a certain set of documents. And that system, the bank, be able to take the information that it has from the customer and understand it properly without putting people in a basically a box where the computer says no, because that person's data doesn't tick certain boxes. In a hyper-personalized way, the bank of the future without manual human involvement, uh, which is obviously time consuming and uh, it's not really reducing efficiencies, but, or increasing efficiencies, but it's increasing the cost instead. So I think the dream was that, uh, AI will come to help, will able to understand customers' personal circumstances and not just onboarding but also when it comes to credit. So credit is the mm. next big frontier in my view, where again, when you look at the UK specific market, right? So you go to a bank, you go online and you apply and what your bank is doing is doing a credit reference check, right? And what is a credit reference check? So basically credit reference check is, is all your bill payments on time or not are in a register, so they are getting pulled and then the bank is applying their own little sort of a gold dust or magic dust on, on top and the decision is then born. And, but what if you are coming from abroad and you don't have any history in the UK? Maybe you have been in the country for a couple of months and you need to buy, uh, let's say you are, you're a driver, you need to work and, and get, to get a car uh, sorted basically. So you're outside the system. So my dream basically is to make sure that the data is portable in this hyper-personalized mm. way, the information can be brought from abroad, let's say AI or technology is able to sort, uh, take relevant pieces of information and not only relying on quite generic credit score data that is in the UK. And Right now I'm seeing that innovation is happening in this space, but it's a very slow process and my big, big dream basically is that hyper personalization and AI is able to finally make this a much better experience for people and like significantly beyond just offering customers better prices or based on that. So I'm talking about something that really moves the needle, right? Awesome. I'm with you with hyper personalization. 
exactly, because that's what we need right now. But yeah. the thing that caught my attention the most was you used the word, the bank of the future. And coming from someone who's like a pioneer building fintech, <laughs> one of the biggest ones in, in, in Europe. So it seems we're even seeing the evolution with you as a founder and kind of visionary that you were like, hey, let's start new banking. Banking is broken. We're fixing it. And now we're like, oh, this disruptor came in, AI. And it's even, you're even disrupting yourself and you're thinking, saying, now let's build the bank of the future. The bank of the future looks like that. So we stop even talking about AI because AI is just a tool. It's a technology. We start thinking about like the bank of the future. I love that as a concept within this, yeah. within this you're conversation. Right. Yeah. I was like, you yeah. know, that is super cool. <laughs> right. We are indeed with XYB and our platform technology, we are in fact disrupting Moniz, which also has been around for quite two years now. So we are disrupting yeah. ourselves, right? Yeah. Definitely. And before we go into XYB, that I'm very happy that you brought it up, just like to follow, just to bring all the listeners, our fellow fintechers, <laughs> just to bring all the fintechers uh, on board in the journey with us. We have identified let's say several use cases for the use of AI, whether that is fraud is going to continue to go up, how do we stop it? Whether that's let's improve efficiency across all the bank operations or how do we build better propositions and service for customers? Yeah. Then the challenge is the leadership team. Mid-management, senior management, ex-co's boards, like all of the leadership team, then they have to go through this process of saying, who, what are we going to do now with AI? How we're going to incorporate that in our ways of working, in our DNA, in our design as a proposition as a company as such. It's a very difficult question because none of these banks nor fintechs have those capabilities in-house because this is a new capability for everyone. What's your view? What's your view slash what did you do <laughs> in Moniz to think through this journey? Like, how do you think about it as a leadership team? Frankly, it's been, again, if I rewind a little bit and I earlier talked about my dream of hyper-personalization and this was, I didn't even know if I'm able to apply AI there, but I think our journey recently has massively accelerated with XYB and, uh, and uh, now servicing other banks and financial services companies and so on. And when I look back at our own retail banking experience within Moniz, for example, is that we have seen that we have been using AI for actually a while now and maybe even not something we have certain things we haven't built ourselves. But the tools that we are using, including customer support tools, for example. So our agents who are using uh, specific tools in order to talk to, their talk to our customers and so on, uh, those companies who develop those tools have already implemented AI within those tools. So we have been actually mm -hmm. using those tools and AI for years. But in terms of a specific intent on our board level or company's board level, they used to actually come from, I think, you have to have a specific use case 
does it make sense to just to do a tick box? Because yes, AI is cool right now. Everybody's talking about it, but does it really make sense to does it really make sense to deploy capital and and use your scarce resources in order to do something just for tick box? I'm sure there are companies out there who are doing this, right? Not to fall off the train, basically, and so on. But from our perspective, and and also what we uh, uh, did uh, with uh, Google, for example, we announced a partnership recently between Google and uh, Google Cloud and and XYB, uh, is to basically make sure that there are specific use cases where our collaboration and partnership and work we do together is able to give uh, our bank partners and and also, for example, Melis specific tools to fight fraud, for example. So I can give you um, a, a use case, which I think will be very uh, beneficial for any bank or any financial services company, really, is that let's say uh, fraud. Let's say there is a payment that has been flagged by internal systems as a fraudulent transaction or something like that. Then at some point, uh, not all companies have uh, completely uh, automated everything. And frankly, it's not even possible because for regulatory reasons, it always has to be a human element as well. But let's say something is stopped and it, in order to deal with those stopped payments or some fraud alert very quickly and efficiently, it would be quite useful if the person who is uh, dealing with this matter, if this person has as much information in as clean format as possible in, in, on a single screen. So you don't have to log into specific systems, many systems and read thousands of codes of a log or something to make a decisions, for example, right? So on, on a simple production. Yes. We're talking about fully populated and AI driven back office tool where an agent can very quickly grasp what is the background of this, what is the customer looking like, what is the normal behavior for this customer. So it's everything nice and neat. So you can immediately look at screen, mm -hmm. you make a decision in 30 seconds, one minute, because AI has filtered everything and put it in a nice and neat and clean format, for example, and that it makes things easier. Financial crime and, and tackling financial crime and uh, being able to understand what is false positive or not, I think this acceleration, the speed, and it uh, decreases the cost and of course the amount of people you have to pay and have a payroll on a payroll and so on. I think that's very powerful and we are starting to deploy this. Yes, I like that thinking because it's like you say, there's two, two sides to this coin. Uh, one side says, hey, let's experiment, do AI experimentation just so that we get used to it. And then what you're telling us is, let's think of a very specific use case that if I step back a little bit to take, let's say, a framework from what you said, it's a, let's take the use case for a challenge that we actually currently have, <laughs> for example, fraud, KYC, like the operations team as such may have all these challenges and see how is it that we can accelerate impact with the use of AI. And it may be that we don't start by us building AI here, because in this case, this is the part, the vertical in the industry that has the most advancements with other players in the industry using AI. So it's like, how do we partner with our partners to make the most out of AI to incorporate in our current processes, ops rather than go and try to become an AI company when we are a financial services company. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's a concept you have to search, search, search a market and basically understand uh, so what is possible to buy in and what you need to develop in-house. And again, when we talk about XYB and how it serves the world's banks and gives them technology to replace some legacy infrastructure and the cores and so on, this is exactly what we're effectively doing, right? So instead of banks trying to build everything and put a huge amount of resources there that uh, take years to deploy, and by the time they deploy, they already are behind the curve, right? So that's where we are doing it all the banks, basically. So we are partnering with the huge companies like Google, for example, and, and many others to, to take that worry away and make sure that our technology is uh, as good as it can be and uh, on, on top of the curve, basically. Yes. And let me s step back a little bit here, because probably people, fintechers, know Moniz as a neobank for like consumer neobank as such. But actually, back in May, you launched XYB, that it's uh, an end-to-end -end cordless banking platform. And you have a very bold statement that it's, we believe that it could revolutionize the banking industry. Can you expand what is XYB and expand on that statement? Why can it revolutionize financial services? Yeah, of course. Of course. So again, there is a little bit of a history there, right? So mm -hmm. I, I need to rewind for a second and basically explain that when we launched Moniz, we were the early pioneers in the space and we did something thanks to technology that not had not done before, basically, which was completely mobile-based onboarding and, and bank, bank in your pocket, so to speak. So in order to, to do this, we needed to build our technology from scratch because there's, there was nothing that existed at the time. And I think it's fair to say that we are actually have always been a technology business that just happens to be in the financial services sector, right? Mm. So it, we just happen to be in a regulated uh, space. So that technology, over time, uh, I had been approached by many banks who wanted to take, take part or have access to this technology because they saw what we had built. And I think opportunity now has, has arised. Not too long ago, we new, launched a new brand called XYB, and XYB is a formula. X is us, Y is a client, and if you put us and the client together, something awesome can be born, a new bank, perhaps. So it's a, basically a formula and a little bit of a wordplay. So XYB was basically a spin-out from Moniz, and it's a technology play, and this technology, we call this coreless banking platform. And uh, what we mean by that is it's, it enables others, other regulated companies and even non-regulated companies to uh, replace their uh, systems, uh, something that is legacy, something that could be, when we look at big banks uh, deploying hundreds of millions a year in order to maintain legacy spaghetti technology. So we are there, XYB is there to make it easy and basically, frankly, low cost and fast. We call this coreless banking mm -hmm. system, whilst everybody else calls it their uh, competitive uh, yeah, core. So we like to think coreless because again, if everything is tied into around a single core, what happens if the single core malfunctions, your systems come down. So that's why <laughs> we think coreless is way better because you have uh, tens, if modular. not hundreds of, yeah, modular, exactly. 
And that enables banks basically to do uh, things and transformation in a careful uh, way. So for example, a bank can choose to replace one piece of the puzzle, put our module there, and then carefully deploy another module. So it's much less risk. There is much less risk involved. If you don't do a massive sort of a core transformation, which could take three to five years to change an underlying infrastructure. So, so that's where the core display comes in. And we like to think about XYB offering also as, as we are accelerating that basically the time to value. Again, I mentioned three to five year transformation for a bank to replace the technology because of this modular or coreless approach. A bank can take one piece, replace it very quickly. And one use case is one of the clients that we are currently working with. We enabled them basically to, to build and replace one of the core modules in, in only seven months from start to finish, basically to launch. So that's, uh, that's been, I think, a game changer to enable banks to move at that sort of a speed, which is, I think, very rare. Yes, definitely. Because anyone who has worked in either a fintech or a big bank, we know <laughs> that a migration. It's difficult. Yes. It's difficult. Yes. It is a fact. It is difficult. So if you can reduce and simplify, then it's, oh, that's really good. So just let me try to understand better why I think in my mind, I still haven't answered the question. Why is this going to revolutionize? So in terms of uh, revolution here, I think the speed is a key keyword here. And the second one, it's a coreless as well. So when I look at again, the history of the banking core providers and so on. Everybody has been always around this core and it's uh, basically incredibly time consuming to, to change anything. So imagine you're a bank who runs on a, a legacy core banking platform, for example. So you need to change something. You have to send a change request and there are many people involved. There are millions, hundreds of millions. On an annual basis, sometimes you want to do uh, certain things and the maintenance and the expensive and so on. And when you want to change that provider years, three to five years, basically to get this done. So I think this coreless approach enables, for example, us XYB to come in and you can replace a specific module. For example, you don't need to use XYB for everything, although it can be used for everything, but you can also uh, kind of a plug and play a little bit here. So I think that approach reduces risk. It increases the speed to market. Let's say you're a bank, you want to also, you have a new idea, you have a new region, you have a new geography that you want to attack, new vertical. You go in, you deploy XYB module somewhere, you can test the market very quickly. You don't need to spend two, three, four, five years to, to do so. so you can do it very quickly. So speed to market is a key. So I think that's where the revolution really uh, allies. Yeah, now I understand. And then you also partnered with Google and you're using AI Google's capabilities in this new brand proposition. Yes. Can you expand on what you're doing? So with Google Clouds, we are using their generative AI and machine learning tools, basically. And the idea is that we will 
that enable our bank and non-bank customers to build cutting-edge products and, and offerings at speed, basically. Again, speed to market, mm-hmm. right? That I was talking about. Yeah. So we think that by uh, leveraging Google Cloud's Gen AI, we can help our bank customers to automate very manual processes like investigations that I mentioned. Imagine everything on one screen for your agent to resolve blocked payments or fraud and investigations. And again, onboarding is there in, in the mix as well. And second, so two, two things that we are working on with Google Cloud is specifically about this, what we call assisted investigation, which is what I described earlier. Uh, agents able to resolve complicated block payments and so on matters very quickly. And second is very interesting is the natural language risk rules, which basically what it means is that right now, if your risk team wants to change something in a system that enables to detect again, fraud or move customers through the funnels. And basically where systems are set up in a specific way that catches specific bad behavior or under identifies good behavior right now, as this is all manually written, basically risk rules, somebody needs to actually code this stuff that it is going into the clock work. But if you want to change anything, you have to go to your engineers or people who can actually code and they will change the risk rules and then it takes time and they their competing priorities and so on. Uh, so imagine now if somebody can use this no code approach, what if your risk people are able to write it in a natural language, like English language, what they want the risk rule to be and AI changes it into code. And then it of course has to go through testing and whatnot, but you don't basically need developers at the end of the day to, to rewrite your risk rules all the time. So that's pretty cool, we think. Yes. And you know what? It's the third time. I haven't heard it more, but it's like third time that I hear the word no code. The first time yeah. was when I was in Money 2020, this, like in Amsterdam this year. And I just I was like, oh, yeah, no code. Heard the word. Didn't investigate more. The second one, I had a guest in the podcast that she has a fintech on lending, no code. And I was like, oh, that is so smart. <laughs> but now cool. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Now we're saying, because I can relate to the pain point of the risk team and like writing the rules. Now we're saying we can expedite efficiency of all the teams. <laughs> if we're saying, exactly. hey, we think, because many times what stops us is this conversation, especially when it comes to building product or improving efficiency, let's say. It's a pain point is we come up with all these amazing ideas as non-techy people. And then we yeah. have to go to tech. And then, of course, tech, it's quite complex and we may not understand all of it. <laughs> we understand the layer, but not all of it. And once we understand what we need to do, then it's a matter of, oh, and now we need to put it in the roadmap and prioritize and it takes all this time, blah, 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 blah. So what we're yeah. saying is that now with no code solutions, we as fintecher humans that do not work in the tech department, come up with our idea 
like we say, we write it down in English and then AI goes and implements, quote unquote, this piece of code or this idea. Of course, tech people don't kill me for saying AI will go and implement it. There has to be like all this <laughs> infrastructure behind and process and this and the other. But uh, basically, that's the core of the transformation that could happen. Yeah, and of course, and in the regulated environment, things are even more complicated, right? So you have to test any outcomes like thoroughly, and you also have to make sure that basically a human being still needs to be in control and sign things off. But imagine if you don't need to actually go to engineers and allocate a couple of months of roadmap time in order to deploy something. And sometimes these changes can be quite sort of a minor, but again, if it doesn't hit the roadmap in the right uh, time, things can take time. And again, time is everything, right? So time to market and adjusting risk rules when the nature of crime changes and fraudsters are always one step ahead, when they change, it's very important that you are changing as a crime changes, as the nature of crime changes, financial crime, you have to be moving very fast. You don't have the luxury of waiting a few months or a couple of, I don't know, months or a year before you change your rules, because otherwise you're going to get attacked. Your customers will be out of pockets and you have as a company, you will have higher losses because you need to compensate. And you also have to have more people on your payroll to do actual coding. So this approach will hopefully, I believe, change quite a lot of the way we do things and we increasing efficiency and reduce the cost base, I think, in many levels. Yeah, definitely. So then coming back to the beginning of the conversation, it's the full circle here. High personalization. Now we've talked AI, we've talked high personalization, XYB, your solution, no code, your dream. What is the... Okay, now let me rephrase that question. So now that we've talked about all of these, what's the role of XYB and AI, basically, in bringing that hyper-personalization hyper world to life? So I think... Our job really is to, ultimately what we want to do is we want to, to do th multiple things. So hyper-personalization, uh, you know, ultimately we are going to be providing, XYB will be providing this, these tools and innovation we are working on with Google Cloud. We are able to provide this to end users, sorry, not end users. I'm talking about uh, clients like banks and non-banks, but ultimately what uh, apart from the benefits that those banks and clients will get, what about the end customer? So the end customer ultimately needs to to benefit uh, as well. And I think I would like to, I would like to think that uh, when Moniz was started, it was designed to impact many people positively and remove friction from their banking services. So I would like to think that now through XYB and XYB working with many banks who have millions of clients, that we can actually impact more end users than we mm -hmm. can do as, a, as our own consumer brand. So we will have touch points, the end users 
will benefit, I think. So enhancing this customer experience through hyper-personalization and the AI activities and AI uh, innovation that they're doing. So ultimately, it's all about enhancing customer experience. Uh, and I think this is all really about that. So that I would like to think that way. And obviously, there will be companies who will not maybe consider this, but I'm hoping that there are more that will than those who don't. Yes. And what's, I was going to say, what's most fun about this? <laughs> that's the geeky me that's fun. <laughs> but what's most interesting is that we started talking about like AI and the bank of the future and how we've transformed the industry in the past 10 years, but it hasn't been fast enough. So probably solutions like yours and the many others that are probably coming to the market, that's going to accelerate change even more. So this yeah. world of accessibility, hyper-personalization will become more real for all the flows for all the, the consumers across the world. So it has a huge impact in terms of helping people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, coming back to the credit, right? So credit is still so broken and uh, not in uh, one country, but I would say globally. And especially if you move between uh, countries, if you don't have credit score and there are countries where credit score doesn't exist, then it's, uh, it's very much needs uh, disruption. So I would like to think that hyper-personalization and uh, AI can really enable us to, to help, to help people and make their credit experience also a lot better because it takes into account more data points than let's say a human being can consume within reasonable mm -hmm. amount of time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And as you say, more data points, I was thinking, ooh, and all the execs will be asking, oh, what's the business case? Because today we cannot talk about just like growth. We need to talk about profitability. How do we, yeah. yeah. The business case, as with everything, there are companies who can deploy a silly amount of money and, and chase, chase rainbows, but in, in those living in the real world and also us as a business, we are very much still moving towards profitability and we are still venture capital funded. So how do you have this use case and make sure that your board is happy with, uh, with, with, uh, amount you're putting into AI and so on. I think uh, when you look at, uh, when you look at the market, there is a UK energy company who recently announced that they deployed AI in the customer support and uh, within I think one quarter or something like that, they already found that AI is doing the work of 250 people, which means that they don't need to hire 250 agents. Uh, so you can do the math very quickly. You very quickly come to a handful of millions that this energy company is saving thanks to AI. So if you put any business case in front of your board and say, we are doing this. And that's going to save that much money or the efficiencies are there. It becomes a no brainer, right? The board will ask you, can you get it done sooner, please? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like the business case. It's very important. But yeah, you're right. It's 
if it's actually going to save that much. Yes, the board will be. That's a, not the board, but that's a question I ask a lot, especially now that we're planning. How can we accelerate? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> can we accelerate? Let's do it faster. Okay, so I love technology. It's awesome. You have a really innovative product as such, I think. Uh, but technology and innovation and processes are worthless <laughs> without a very strong culture. And I think as we incorporate new technology, AI, and all the solutions that will start coming up, like for example, no code solutions, to be very specific, in the coming months and years, that impacts the mindset and the ways of working of people. Even though like in fintech, we have the innovative crowd, the young crowd, the used to change, this, the other, it's still the change and we'll have to go through some sort of transformation, cultural transformation within the teams. What's your take? How do we do this smoothly? So in terms of uh, culture and uh, making sure that people are with the company and they are motivated by what the company does and so on. So I think uh, it needs uh, quite thought through process and ultimately it becomes a little bit of a process. Again, having run uh, Moniz for uh, almost 10 years right now, I can very much say that initially you can go in guns blazing and things can be undocumented and you are changing the world, but it's soon. At some point, quite soon, you will find that actually you need to write things down. So your culture, your approach, including your approach towards innovation needs to be written down. And, and at some point when you exceed your team exceeds hundreds of people and you're constantly hiring people, then there, it, it must become a process where you say, this is our culture, this is what we represent. We are trying to change the world here, and this is a way we change the world. And you, as a new team member, these are the qualities that we expect from you. This is how we would like you to, these are the areas we would like you to think about and your approach to your colleagues, your approach to uh, getting things done, and how do you react in uh, sort of a, uh, when things don't go well, it all needs to be written down, and we have. And I think also, how do you keep the culture of innovation in, in place and, and how do you make sure that people are staying motivated? It's, it's number one, process, incredibly important. The second is rewarding people when they do something game-changing, even if it's just a good word or recognition in front of the team members or publicly, or even a warm word, basically, it, it, it changes quite a lot. And not punishing people when they make mistakes, because after all, people are mistakes. If, if they're trying to do something that has never been done before, which is almost the definition of innovation, right? So mistakes will happen. You will get a lot of things wrong before you succeed. So embrace mistakes, no punishments, no blame game. And again, have people having a little bit of a backbone to say out loud, but I think, and also, but collaboration uh, with others and not making decisions only by committee. Very important. Yes. I like how you're making it very practical as in, because culture can be very vague, right? But now we're like, no, 
culture is not vague. It has to be written down. It's, it cannot be vague. Yeah, it's not vague. It is written down. There's processes. There's what, how we work. That's what it means. That's how we're having impact. I love that. Yeah, value, value system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as we approach to the end of the episode, it's been a fascinating conversation, by the way. Where can we find more about you, Moniz, and XYB? So a simple search engine search probably is the easiest. If you type in Moniz or XYB, there's a bunch of stuff that comes comes up. Yeah, definitely have a read. And if you are a, a banker or if you are a financial services uh, mover and shaker, check out XYB and the uh, innovation that we are able to, to bring uh, to you as well. Uh, XYB is a relatively new player, uh, but it has 10 years of experience. We have built our own neobank, Moniz. We have millions of customers on that platform. So our technology is, is proven and we have some pretty big game-changing banks in our client base already who are using our tech. Check it out. And I, my details also are incredibly easy to find online. So give us, give us, give us a ring. Definitely. Because I'm like, I am not being paid to say that. But uh, yeah, I love it. It's, I love the product that you are building and how it can impact the industry as such. Thank you. Thank you. So one very last question before we go, that it's one of my favorite questions because it's a difficult question, <laughs> but I ask it very well. If you were to change one thing, but it has to be just one thing, if you were to change one thing in the industry that could have the most impact in customers, colleagues, and shareholders, what could that be? Take more risks, but not with customers' money. Cool, cool. Can you expand? Banks are very conservative organizations and rightly so, because they need to protect customers' money, the integrity of the ecosystem and so on. But I do see that there must be some openness. You have to put your risks maybe in a box, but don't put that box, don't lock that box away. So. If you're doing something that is important, you have to be open to, to measured risks and, and so on. So that's what I'm saying is, is you cannot apply the same level of conservativeness everywhere. So you have to take some stuff and, uh, and, and make sure that it's uh, properly safeguarded, like sandbox environment, that this is where you innovate. This is where you break things in a safe and uh, sound manner. But if you don't do anything at all and you basically apply the same, this is too risky, we're not doing this, this is not, then there is no innovation, right? There cannot be innovation when there is no risks. Innovation equals risks. Awesome. That will go into a short clip. <laughs> That's a great way to end this episode. <laughs> Thank you, Norris. It's been an Thank you, Monica. absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Thanks for inviting me. Have Thank a good you. day. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. Your time and energy means a lot. If you want to support the show, remember to give it a follow and DM me to get in touch. I promise I do respond.